Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. I am your host, Jim Brangenberg. Many thanks to Todd Wendell, who's manning our studio controls today. Please check out our website to find out more about the mission I call I Work For Him. That website is IWorkTheNumber4Him.com. That's IWorkForHim.com. And in case you want to catch up, an archive of all of our shows are available on the WTIS1110.com website. That's WTIS1110.com. On their website, click under Shows, and then look for the I Work For Him show. And when you bring up the I Work For Him page, you can look at the bottom right-hand corner and see all of the shows since the beginning last April. All right, you may ask, why am I doing the I Work For Him show? And here's the reason why. On any given Sunday in Tampa Bay, there's four and a half million people. And if every church were filled to capacity... Every pew was filled. Every seat was filled. There'd still be over 3 million people that don't even darken the doorstep of a church. But most of them go to work on Monday morning. You may be the only Jesus those people will ever see. Our workplaces is a powerful mission field, and we need to start looking at our workplaces as that mission field. We are all called to go in the Great Commission. Some get to go overseas. Some get to go to the pulpit. The majority of us go to work on Monday morning. Let's start by loving people in our offices and showing them who Jesus really is starting today. All right. A little perspective. I'm a business owner. I work for him as my business. It describes what I do. It's my passion. And with regard to workplace ministry, I'm not an expert. I'm in this battle with you, fighting to understand God's role in my business each and every day. But before we get started with the show today, a couple of fantastic announcements. I got to put my hats off. And super-duper blessings to my son, Joshua Brangenberg, who got engaged to Amelia Frederick on Friday night. My son and his fiance will be getting married probably before the end of the year, but many of you might have seen my Facebook post, but I just wanted to say... Joshua, I'm proud of you. Amelia, welcome to the family. I'm looking forward to uh, getting to know you even more. We got to have dinner last night. I'm just so proud of my son, Joshua, and my new, soon-to-be daughter-in-law, Amelia Frederick. And one more big news piece. We've got a marriage retreat cruise coming up in January. At the end of January, I Work For Him is sponsoring, along with 2B1 Ministries, a marriage retreat cruise right out of Tampa. Five days, four nights, right out of Tampa. We'll have a marriage retreat on two days, and then a day of excursion 
excursion, uh, and it's going to be a fantastic opportunity. There's only nine places left for couples. If you want more information, email me, jim at iworkforhim.com. That's jim at iworkforhim.com. All right, today we are talking about a very important subject that applies at home, in your marriages, with your children, and in your interaction with your employees. We have a very, very, very special guest on the line, Dr. Emerson Egrich, who wrote the book, Love and Respect. I had the privilege of reading this book and going to a Love and Respect conference back in 19, excuse me, 1999. How about 2009? And it changed our marriage to my beautiful wife, Martha, and it changed my life. A little bit about Dr. Egerich. You know, excited yet burdened about male and female relationships, Dr. Emerson and Sarah Egerich launched the Love and Respect conferences back in 99. Based on over three decades of counseling as well as scientific and biblical research, this dynamic and life-changing conference is impacting the world, and he's not kidding, resulting in the healing and restoration of countless hundreds, thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of marriages. Prior to launching the Love and Respect conferences, Dr. Egerich was the senior pastor at Trinity Church in Lansing, Michigan for over 20 years. He has authored several books, including the national bestseller, Love and Respect, which is a Platinum Book of the Year award award winner, selling over 1.5 million copies. And I have given away just slightly less than that of those copies. Emerson and Sarah have been married since 1973. That would be 40 years for those of you math geniuses out there. And they have three adult children. He's the founder and president of Love and Respect Ministries. Emerson, welcome back to the I Work For Him show. Well, thank you for that wonderful introduction, and uh, congratulations to Joshua and Amelia as well, and uh, what a happy day for you and Martha. Well, you can bet I already have in my office at home a copy of Love and Respect that my wife and I will be going through with Joshua and Amelia before they get married, because it is a powerful, powerful book. So, you know, many people may ask Emerson, why do I have a, a marriage guy on a business show about working with Christ, learning how to incorporate Christ in your workplace? And I got to just remind people, listen, if your marriage is a mess, it affects your business on an everyday basis. It totally will destroy your business if your marriage is a mess. And Love and Respect is a powerful book that can apply not only to our marriages. I know we're going to talk later in the show about a book you've written, Taking Love and Respect and the Family. I'd like, without, you know, I'm not even going to ask for any revenue sharing, I'd like to give you the idea for your next book. It's got to be Love and Respect in the Workplace, because it's powerful. And this concept, it applies to everything I do on a day-to-day basis. No, I concur with you very much, though, and I concur, too. Uh, we've chatted before, but I have the great honor of being invited to speak to our troops in Iraq. And one of the burdens that the leadership had is that if a soldier, male or female, receives the um, letter from a spouse saying, you know what, I'm calling it quit, that puts uh, their peers on the battlefield in harm's way. And the concern was a legitimate one, that marriage relationships at home affect what we do in the field and uh, this is a most picturesque way of capturing that reality it was a a real burden to see uh, those soldiers who were going out into battle but uh, taking with them the letter that they just received saying the marriage was over and uh, some said to me while there their productivity was 50 percent of what it would have been had they not received that letter and of course that put their um soldiers that they were with in the field literally in harm's way Mm, there's no question all right so let's jump into love and respect you know in your book love and respect you claim you've discovered a secret that can revolutionize revolutionize any marriage what is that secret 
Well, the University of Washington studied 2,000 couples for 20 years, and they said we now know the two key ingredients for a successful marriage, love and respect, love and respect. And, Jim, what I find fascinating is that the Bible said that 2,000 years ago. In Ephesians 5.33, uh, we read that a husband must love his wife, and a wife must respect her husband. And we find that just thrilling. And But we wanted to see... Uh, if there was a, a gender difference here, because both the research at the University of Washington found that there were differences. Men, for instance, during conflict, 85% tend to stonewall and withdrawal, and women see that as an act of hostility. In other words, they feel very unloved. Whereas women tend to move toward the husband, and the way they described it is that the women are critical and complaining. And men hear ongoing criticism as contempt or disrespect for who they are. So the gender specificity was seen, but we've asked 7,000 people this question. When you're in a conflict with your spouse or significant other, do you feel unloved at that moment or disrespected? Jim, 83% said they feel disrespected. Those are the men. And the women, 72% said they feel unloved. That's as different as pink is from blue. But then here's the thing that we discovered. There's a correlation that during that conflict, a wife seeks to do the loving thing, but she actually is labeled disrespectful. And the husband, one of the reasons he withdraws, he's trying to just calm down because his heartbeats get to 99 beats per minute, the researchers discovered. So he has to disengage because he's in warrior mode. So he tries to do the, the honorable thing, but is labeled unloving. And so what happens is that she feels unloved, he feels disrespected, and this thing starts to spin. Without love, she reacts without respect. Without respect, he reacts without love. And it's what I call the crazy cycle, and goodwill people get on that cycle. And that's the secret that I believe is the issue when the issue isn't the issue. You know, our spouse's spirit deflates, and we go, what, 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 what did I say? What? Now what? <laughs> that's for sure. And when you talk about this crazy cycle, yeah, it is, yeah, well, why don't you just describe it? Describe the crazy cycle, because it applies to so many... I, I mean, I think about it in the workplace, and that crazy cycle explains so many conflicts. Go ahead. Well, and to that point, we are male and female at the end of the day. The, the work culture is a culture of respect. There's no question. But as I say, when the three women um, have lunch, I predict they're probably talking about their boss at, at some point, saying, I wonder how he treats his wife. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very relationally oriented. That's a virtue in women. They care deeply about people. They care about relationships. The, the, the nurturing nature of the woman research, I mean, I mean, it's just off the charts consistent. Women care, and they process things through that so that when a woman feels you don't care or when you are unloving, even though she needs respect, uh, she will still filter it through that grid. Most men, on the other hand, kind of know that women care. But the question is, does she like me? Does she respect me? And so in the work arena, uh, if men are coming across in a way that appears uncaring to the women, and the women are coming across in a way that appears you know, disrespectful, they're going to get on the crazy cycle there as well. All right. Now, we've got you on the show today because in two weeks, something spectacular is going to happen. You've got a live conference coming to Tampa Bay at Idlewild Church up in Lutz on the 25th and 26th. And that conference is available to both singles and married people. You're encouraging all to go. There's plenty of seating up there. And and that's just a Friday night and a Saturday morning till I think about 1230, where people can learn in detail uh, all about the concept of love and respect. 
respect and how to apply it to their lives. And you're bringing along your bride with you, correct? Exactly. Sarah presents with me, and uh, we've been doing these since 1999, and she wants to call this the conference that men want to attend. Yes, because it's truth. You guys tell truth. I, I mean, when we watched the DVD series uh, of a conference that you had done, I don't know where you had done it. I mean, there's a lot of laughter, a lot of awkward moments, but at least everybody feels like they gets their digs in. You know, you, you, you lay it into the men pretty heavy, and you lay it into the women pretty heavy. So it's fair, and I think that that's what you mean. Everybody likes to come because it's not just, it's not all about uh, flowers and, and, and sending you know, birthday cards. It's, it's really about serious relationship stuff. Well, I believe that she has goodwill and he has goodwill. And one of the things that we have really tried to convey is that when couples, let's say, get in that crazy cycle, as we've said, without love, she reacts without respect. And without respect, he reacts without love. And then without love, she reacts without respect. And without, and this baby starts to spin and it gets crazy when the issue isn't the issue. In most cases, as we pointed out, she's feeling unloved. But she ends up reacting in a way that feels disrespectful to him. And many of us men pick it up at that point, and we say, I'm sick and tired of this disrespect. I don't, I don't deserve this disrespect. Everybody respects me but you. And he just shuts down on her. But the question is, is she trying to be disrespectful, or is she feeling unloved? Is she actually trying to do the loving thing, only to hear that she's disrespectful and feels even more unloved? And, and so, too, he, you know, when he feels disrespected... Um, you know, what happens? He tends to shut down, but, but he, he, he reacts in a way that ends up feeling unloving to her. But he's not trying to be unloving. He would die for her. And yet something happened where he felt disrespected. He tries to do the honorable thing by de-escalating this thing. It's not worth fighting over. Only to hear that he's the most unloving human being alive when he <laughs> shuts down. And he feels even more disrespected. Mm. And so we have these four levels on each side of this where both are trying to do what's right they aren't trying to do what's wrong they both have goodwill but we are we're misunderstanding each other because she couldn't imagine reacting the way that he does and he can't imagine reacting the way that she does and what happens is we end up you know basically judging the other as as childish i can't believe you're reacting this way just stop and, uh, and then we end up, you know, offending the other, and it gets really confusing. And too many couples get on this, and at the conference at Idlewild, we're going to be helping couples know how to decode and how to get off that crazy cycle. Well, I think what's really important uh, is to talk about the differences between men and women. Uh, my wife, Martha, and I, along with our connection group, Family Matters, had the opportunity to go to uh, Mountain City, Tennessee this weekend, and we held a, a family retreat where we talked about the five love languages, and we talked about, we did a breakout session for the couples, for the adults on love and respect. And the reason we start with five love languages is because if you're going to communicate love, you better communicate it in the right language, otherwise it doesn't get received. And, and when we did this breakout for a couple of hours just talking about the love and respect concept. We give everybody a copy of the book and we go through some of the highlights because in two hours, obviously, that's all you can do. The funniest part of the conversation was when you started talking about the differences in men and women. And God did that on purpose. I mean, you mentioned in your book, I, you know, I don't know what page it's on, but just you talk about the differences between how men think and how women think, how men relate and how women relate. You know, women relate eye to eye and men relate shoulder to shoulder. And, and and how women are wired like a spaghetti pile, and men are, you know, we're wired in waffles. We like to compartmentalize everything. How does that come into play in this whole love and respect idea? Well, I think you make 
the excellent point. I mean, again, part of the challenge we've had as a culture uh, historically is if we have said that male and female are different, somehow it was interpreted this would be condescending toward women. And that uh, if we are uh, to be equal then, uh, we have said, you know what, we've basically got to be the same. And, but that's where we've made a huge mistake. We are equal in the eyes of God. We're equal in the eyes of the law. But that doesn't mean that we're the same. And what's refreshing is many of the researchers are revealing the incredible unique strengths of, of women. And so we mustn't be ashamed of saying that we are different, and we mustn't be ashamed of saying that we are not the same. So the question, though, is how do we deal with these differences? And, of course, there's overlap. We're all humans, and uh, there are temperaments and there are other things. But at the end of the day, we've got to, I uh, think, read Matthew uh, 19.4, where Christ asks this question. Have you not read, you made them from the beginning, made them male and female? And uh, she brings the egg, he brings the sperm. We both are unique. We need the other. There's the XX chromosome, the XY chromosome, and that affects us in ways that are beyond our wildest imagination. And I think that's why Peter said, for instance, in 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, since she's a woman. And precisely because of her femininity, precisely because of her gender, we are called by men to be more understanding. And as we then get into the conference, we will explain, without being dismissive or without being, you know, simplistic or stereotypic, but it's important that we get in tune with this difference. Otherwise, what happens is that we resent the other person who isn't reacting as we expect. For instance, in intimate relationships, women will, uh, you know, stonewall short term, but really that's not where their heart's at. Whereas 85% of those who stonewall during conflict are the men, and men truly can forget it and drop it. I don't want to keep talking about it. I don't need to do this. And that's really true. Whereas most women... No, they want to connect emotionally. They want to say, I'm sorry, let's seek forgiveness, and, and we'll be the better if we do that. Uh, so you have this huge research out there that points out that men and women are different in how they deal with conflict. And as I pointed out, she tries to do the loving thing on an ongoing basis only to hear him say she's disrespectful, mm-hmm. and he tries to do that respectful thing only to hear he's the most unloving human being on the planet. And we judge each other, and this has to be decoded because it's rooted in our maleness and femaleness, not because we married a person who's unloving or disrespectful. I think what's really cool is when you read the scriptures, it said God created men and women in his image. And when you come together and, and as one in marriage, now you've got God's whole image brought together because a man on his own doesn't complete God's image. And a woman on her own doesn't complete God's image. But together, they represent God in all, you know, not all of his complexity, but his, I, I say, his amazing humor in that he created us so differently, yet expects us to spend life together. And, and it's awesome. Emerson, you're, you, you've been doing this conference for so many years. You've got, um, um, yeah, one of the things that it talks about is uh, that, a, here, I'll just read the question. You say in your book that wives can actually motivate their husbands to love them in a way that meets their needs on a deeper level. How can that be possible? Well, first of all, there's a fine line between motivation and manipulation. Right. And what we're saying is not a formula where you, you know, put a, you know some kind of a coin in a slot machine and it's going to come up three cherries or something. But we know that 
God has allowed us to influence each other. And we believe that the key to motivating another person is meeting that person's deepest need, especially during conflict. I mean, every wife knows, for instance, that if during a heated moment, as we call it, heated fellowship, if during that moment, you know, he softens, instead of continuing to be harsh and angry, and he says, you know what, I'm wrong, will you forgive me? Almost every woman knows that she'll immediately soften. And then typically she says, well, it wasn't you, I was nasty too, will you forgive me? It's almost axiomatic for a woman to do that. She can't not do that. God has designed her that way, and she wants to do that. We want to be motivated. We want to be energized by the other. We want to be influenced. And so, uh, in this case, every woman knows that if he does that loving thing, or even says, I'm sorry for being unloving, she will reciprocate. It's the way God has designed it. What's foreign to many women, though, is that men respond to issues of honor and respect. But what we're up against is that women will say, well, you know, I don't feel any respect for him. It'd be hypocritical for me to show respect when I don't feel it. He's not superior to me. I'm not inferior to him. I'm not going to be treated like a doormat. Uh, he hasn't earned the respect. He doesn't deserve it. I'm not going to return to male patriarchy and fear male dominance. I'm not going to lose a sense of myself or my identity. I'm not going to, you know, subject myself to emotional abuse. But other than these things, Dr. Emerson, I'm really open to hearing what she has to say about <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. And what? so, Jim, one of the challenges before us in the culture is this is counterintuitive to many women to actually um, do this respect thing. They're listening right now and saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, first of all, we're not talking about respecting evil or bad conduct or bad attitudes. We're talking about respectfully confronting those things. This is a man doesn't love the wife's bulimia, but he lovingly confronts it. The University of, Re University of Washington did this research, and they discovered that when a woman is upset, a wife is upset, her eyes turn dark, her face turns sour, her hand is on the hip, her other finger comes out and scolds in that scolding way, she sighs, she rolls her eyes, she throws her head back, and when estrogen kicks in, her word choice of contempt is incredible. And the University of Washington said these are all gestures of contempt and disrespect. And so what happens, she feels unloved, she's trying to do the loving thing, but she delivers her message in a way that no one does to him. So as he watches this, he's thinking, you know, you're just using this topic as an opportunity to send me a message that you don't like who I am as a human being. Forget the issue. The real issue is here. You can't stand my face. No one talks to me this way. And so what happens, she misrepresents herself, because that's not her heart. Right. And, of course, he then misinterprets it, because he doesn't know what else to do. And I always say to women, how many of you have sons? And they all raise their hands. And they know that that sweet daughter-in-law that he eventually married potentially is going to come across in the same way to her precious baby boy. That's right. So I got to interrupt you because we got a hard break at the bottom of the hour. You know, in the first half of the show, we've been talking with Dr. Emerson Egerich about love and respect and the upcoming conference that Love and Respect is holding at Idlewild Church on the 25th and 26th of October. If you're out there and you're married... Or if you're out there and you're single, I think that covers everybody. This is a conference. If you want to you know, learn how to bring stability into any of your relationships between men and women, this is a conference you must go to. And if you've got a marriage that is pretty good, but every once in a while it gets a little rocky, this is a conference you must go to. This is the best $90 for a couple or $45 for a single person that you can spend 
on the planet Earth. I, I, I can't tell you. I, I know nobody's paying me to say this. Let me just guarantee that this is the absolute must for any married couple or any person who plans on getting married. Love and Respect, Idlewild Church, October 25th and 26th. Check it out on loveandrespect.com. Loveandrespect.com. Dr. Emerson Eggerich, I know I just I ranted and raved about your conference, but I got to just tell you, it has made such an impact on our marriage. I want every person I know to go to that conference. Well... I am so encouraged by your words, and uh, Sarah and I, as you mentioned earlier, and I told you that we've been doing this since 99, and we're as excited now as we were then, in fact, even more so, because we see the simplicity of this. As we say, there are only two things you have to remember, love and respect, and actually all the husband has to do is remember one side of that equation, and she has to remember the other side. But we've tried to make this very simple, and uh, what we're excited about is that 49% of those who initiate coming to this are men. And uh, we've said all along, men are not indifferent to marriage. Look how they conduct themselves in courtship. But there are many gals who think, you know, what happened to him? Where did he go? But we're going to explain at the conference that he's still there, and, uh, but he has withdrawn for specific reasons. And uh, we will bring him back out. <laughs> so we want to encourage every woman uh, to not be afraid of this conference just simply because a man wants to attend it. No, it is. I am so excited, and I'm hoping that out of our church, we're bringing three or four hundred people. I mean, it is, it, it is. Like I said, it is a must go to for anyone who wants to build a solid foundation in their marriage to come. So for those engaged couples or those people who have been married, my wife Martha and I have been married 22 years when we first went to your conference, and it, and I and I just like. Man, I wish I'd have heard about this in 99 when you first started doing it because it would have eliminated arguments from 1999 to 2008. So um, it, it was an amazing thing. All right, so you've written Love and Respect. It's been around forever. You've sold a million and a half copies. But now you're coming out with a new book in November. I believe my wife told me the release is early November, Love and Respect for Families. And I want you to comment on this one thing before you get into your book. You know, this is something I've heard, and I want to see whether you th- what you think about it. You know, strong churches don't make strong families. Strong families make strong churches. What do no, you think? I can, yeah, I mean, I think that there's no question about that, and I think that's why pastors need to do everything they can to serve husbands and wives and families. And uh, as they do that, uh, the upside of that is incredible. But as you know, and I know, many uh, are struggling. And how do we do this thing called marriage? How do we do this thing called family? But no, I concur with you. Good point. Mm. All right. So you chose to write a book on parenting, Love and Respect for Families, and it's a great book. By the way, I mean, it was a, it was a very nice book to read. It was, a you know, for me, a three or four hour read. I'm a pretty fast reader. but I, And I've been teaching a connection group all about family stuff for the last decade, and I've looked at every resource out there and available for helping encourage families and how to, you know, have really to learn how to discipline and learn how to work through conflict. And this was a book that ranks now at the top, once I can actually get people to buy it, it ranks at the top of those books because it's so logical. Why did you write this book? Well, again, thank you for those encouraging words. You know, I, I've been working on it for the last two years. Uh, I have my Ph.D. in child and family studies. And, um, uh, you know, so I, and I did my dissertation on uh, effective fathering. But I chose to wait until my children were adults, uh, Jonathan, David, and Joy, they're now in their 30s, uh, that they could speak back into the book, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And I, <laughs> I, I share the fact that I wanted to quit a couple times because I felt like such a failure. 
you know, because things they remembered, I didn't, and things that I remembered <laughs> that were bad, they didn't. And uh, and there were numerous times as I sat down with them and sought their forgiveness again for, you know, not seeing these things. I thought, you know, I don't have a right to maybe even write this. But they are the ones who not only told me to knock it off, uh, but to give myself some grace. They're the ones who are endorsing the book. And it just, it just I cried when they wanted to do this. And so on the back uh, and then inside, they're the ones who are sharing with the reader why this book needs to be read and what they feel. And, of course, my daughter Joy puts in parenthesis, twitch, twitch, really, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what I liked best was how honest your kids were. You know, your, your, I believe it was your oldest son and your, and your daughter – you know, where they, they seem like you know pretty easy going, but your middle son seems like he's a hard sell. I mean, he's not an easy sell. He's not just going to endorse you just because you want him to endorse you. It seemed like he was. I, I, I forget his name is David, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. He he wasn't the easy sell. He was one saying, you know, I mean, it, it, it was. I mean, describe them. I mean, you, of course, we get you get three children. All three of them are very different, but you had a hard sell there, middle child. Yeah. Well, Jonathan and David, we named our first. You know, those names because Jonathan and David in the Bible were best of friends and. We'd had some missionaries stay with us for a long week, uh, and the boys were acting like angels. They were probably 8 and 10 at the time, David the younger of the two, and uh, they were like angels. And the minute the missionaries drove off, we came back in the house, and those two boys went at it like they were going to kill each other. And I said, what's going on? You know, you've, been, you've just been perfect all week. And David said, Dad, we can only be good so long. And then <laughs> I said, well, I named you Jonathan David so you'd be best of friends. And David looked at me and said, Dad, you should have named us Cain and Abel. <laughs> wow. wow. So the good news is he was paying attention to the Bible stories. <laughs> but David is the one who has said he had the most difficulty with our parenting. And uh, we try to relay that in the book. And part of the reason we do that, and as a family we made that decision, particularly the millennials, who say, you know, they don't want formulas. They want transparency. They want people to be real. And so one of our desires was to be as transparent without, you know, being discouraging. But one of the things that we believe is that people, all of us, are struggling. There is no perfect family. Adam and Eve ruined that for us. So there's no perfect family. And we all have these moments. But here's the beautiful thing. We can encourage each other. It's what we call negative encouragement. You know, when Shirley and Jim Dobson have a fight, I'm so encouraged. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so encouraged, you know. And it's not because we're happy that they're sad, but it gives the rest of us hope. And so in this book, Love and Respect in the Family, our desire is to give every mom and dad hope that there is a game plan. Though there's no perfect family, there's a perfect plan. God has revealed specific things to parents about how to parent. There indeed is a game plan, and it's not exhaustive. It's pretty simple. There are six concepts that we unpack, and when we stay on course, uh, we are then parenting God's way, and there's no absolute guarantee that our children are going to turn out. But when we parent God's way, we, we create the most loving environment that best motivates our children to choose our faith and values. Well, okay. So when you're when you're looking at, I mean, this book, and we've got just a couple minutes before the next break. How you used the biblical? You got biblical basis for the content in this book. You know, I was. Were you surprised at how concretely that God uses the love and respect message for the parent-child relationship? Well, that's what blew me away, and that's why I could have written this book before the marriage book. It's just serendipitous that love and respect. You know, uh, it, it's a coincidence because 
children are commanded to honor father and mother. Uh, parents are not commanded to honor their children. It doesn't mean dishonor them. And in Titus 2, the older women are to encourage the younger women to love their children. So here you have children are to respect, parents are to love. And here you have the family crazy cycle. When a child feels unloved, that child ends up reacting negatively in a way that feels disrespectful. And when a parent feels disrespected, that parent ends up reacting in a way that feels unloving to the child. So without love, a child reacts without respect. Without respect, a parent reacts without love, and it can spin out of control real quick. And what's interesting, when I was little, I'd throw myself down on the floor in a temper tantrum, and I didn't say, you don't respect me. I said, you don't love me. And my parents never said, you're not being loving right now. They said, you're not being respectful right now. And so expositionally and experientially, we see so many of the family conflicts following this pattern, and we're helping couples jump off that family crazy cycle. Yeah, it's awesome. And everybody, when you're talking about the family crazy cycle and, and things going getting disrespectful, everybody understands that. They expect it. But what you're talking about doing is taking those opportunities with our children as things get a little bit crazy and using them as opportunities for ministry with those kids and to, to build into them the skills that they need in order to be able to live productive lives going forward. So you've got a conference coming up here in October on the 25th and 26th at Idlewild. When was the last time you did a live conference here in Tampa? Well, I don't think that we have. I think this is our first time. We are thrilled with this invitation and uh, can hardly wait. It's coming up. It'll be here shortly. But uh, we are uh, hopeful to meet so many of you who live in that beautiful city. Yeah, tell me, what's the format of the show? I mean, of the show, excuse me, of the conference? Yes, no, excellent question. We answer basically three questions that most of us ask. Why do we negatively react to each other? You know, I mean, I didn't marry Hitler's distant cousin, so why do we negatively react? And we will unpack that. The second question is, how do we motivate each other? I mean, how do we really do that? And then the third question is, what if I really try to do what motivates and I try to, you know, stop some of this negativity, but my spouse doesn't respond? What do we do at those moments when a spouse is unresponsive and even maybe worse? And so that's the third question, and what? it revolves around those three things. And then Sarah has a section where she deals with the practical application of uh, this thing we call the energizing cycle. There's a specific way that uh, I believe the Bible reveals to love a woman, and there's a specific way for a wife to respect a husband. And uh, when we understand that and we apply it, uh, usually that person's spirit softens and opens up. Well, and as you mentioned in the last quarter hour, the, this this show is, you know, it's not really lecture. I like to say it's it's like comedy hour sometimes, just because we're dealing with truth. It's transparency from the uh, from the stage. I mean, you and Sarah are just so honest about the struggles you guys have had, and uh, it, it's it's funny just because we all can relate. Especially, you know, I, I, that line, "I don't have anything to wear, honey." Really, what does that mean? To a man, it means one thing. To a woman, it means another thing. And just talking about those differences between men and women. All right, so you, you you said to me on the last time we had you on the show that you know this isn't just for married couples, this is also for singles, and, and tell me why. Well, actually, I was going to write a book for uh, the pre-married. You know, most uh, churches do things for the pre-married, and I then went to the Scripture, and I realized there are only two basic requirements uh, for a person to be married in the Lord and to be sexually pure. And then I said, Lord, why have you not given us more? I mean, we all have these you know, psychological frameworks on, you know, conflict resolution or on budgeting. You know, there are all kinds of helpful things, but we pretty much address the same thing. And I said, Lord, 
why have you not given us more insight? And then that inaudible voice, you know, said to me, I want the pre-married to know what I've said to the married. <laughs> this is the game plan. And so the capstone is Ephesians 5.33, that a husband must love and a wife must respect. And so those of your listening audience who are singles, what we're going to unpack is what has God said uh, to the married about marriage, and does he expect those of us who are unmarried to understand that? You know, my daughter, Joy, works for us, and she was overseeing our live conferences for a couple years, and she kept hearing these couples say, if I only had known then what I know now. (laughs) And she started what we call Love and Respect Now, and she has her own website, Love and Respect Now, and in fact, she is campaigning among the millennials to hear what we're saying so that you don't have to say 10 years down the road, I wish I had known then what I know now. We want to get this message to singles. And so coming to Idlewild for this, all singles are welcome, and we want them to feel the freedom to come. In fact, a significant, we did a church where we had 4,000 in attendance, and 1,000 of them were singles. And so uh, we're very, very much uh, interested and excited about singles attending. Uh, Or even if your spouse is unwilling to attend, uh, we want you to come because we're going to give you the tools that will motivate them. In some ways, it's even better that your spouse doesn't come because they're not privy to what it is you're about to do. Well, I, I don't know, but I would definitely think they need to go together. If you can get them to go together, they need to go together. But I understand, especially if you've got a husband that maybe is a non-believer, a wife that's a non-believer, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rock their world. All right, so loveandrespect.com. They, need, they can go there and get registered. Click on the Tampa conference. That's loveandrespect.com. And your office sent me two free tickets to the conference, and I'm going to give those away on Facebook tonight. Send me an email. Look me up. I work for him. I work for him on Facebook. Send me a note saying why you think you and your wife should be going to love and respect for free. And I've got those two free tickets to give away. You know, have you ever had an argument in the workplace and you really didn't know how to handle it in a Christ-like way? Ever wondered how to love the virtually unlovable that work alongside you every day? If these questions and today's topic find you desiring a deeper understanding of how God fits into your workplace, then you got to check out Business His Way. It's a biblical mentoring process designed for you to learn how to follow our Lord in your workplace. Brought to you by C12 Tampa Bay and I Work For Him. For more information, contact me, Jim at IWorkForHim.com. That's Jim at IWorkForHim.com. Next week on the I Work For Him show, we're going to be talking with Kurt DeVries about the workplace of Hollywood and all about the Christian film industry. You know, my advertisers are people I trust, people you can trust. Please do business with them. Look for the links to their company websites listed on my website, IWorkForHim.com. That's IWork, the number four, him.com. And on the IWorkForHim website, you'll find all kinds of great resources, including the show schedule, the guest schedule, the guest schedule, and all kinds of recommended resources for incorporating Christ into your workplace, including love and respect, which we've been talking about all day today. And if you'd like to get your message about your business out to thousands of people every week, you can advertise on the I Work For Him show. Contact me, Jim, at IWorkForHim.com. Dr. Emerson Egerich, I got to say thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. I wish that we could be talking about this for hours and hours because there's so much to say. But thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you. You've inspired me, and I know your audience loves you and respects you. Well, I hope so. I hope so. I'm looking forward to hearing all the responses on Facebook tonight on why they think they should get those free tickets. And I'm looking forward to meeting you at the Love and Respect Conference on October 25th and 26th at Idlewild. And I'm encouraging my audience to go to loveandrespect.com and sign up today for that conference. 
It's going to be incredible. This is a conference everybody should go to. So thank you very much, Dr. Emerson Egerich. God bless you, Jim. All right, please take time to like us on Facebook. Just search for iWorkForHim.com. Thanks, Todd Wendell, for running the controls and keeping me on time today. You've been listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I am a Christ follower. I own my own business, and I'm an employee. I don't know about you, Tampa Bay, but I work for him.